This call is from Michael Braxton, an inmate at Central Prison. Welcome to WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Raleigh. We are a student-run nonprofit radio station based at North Carolina State University. I am DJ Whippopotamus, a.k.a. Whippo, and today we are joined by Rome Malone, live from North Carolina Central Prison. He's set to drop an album called Mercy on My Soul, which is the first album to ever be released from Death Row. Welcome, welcome. I'm really glad to have you on. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me and allowing me this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to get into this. Um, yeah, do you want to do a quick introduction of yourself? Let people know who you are, what you're doing? Sure, indeed. Yeah, my name is Rome Malone. I'm on death row here at Central Prison. I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. I've been locked up for about 28 years now. And as you mentioned, I got a debut album called Mercy on My Soul set to be released throughout um, maybe in the fall or the winter of 2021. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited uh, for that drop, too. I've listened to the few songs that you have out, and they're really exciting. They just open up a whole new perspective in, into the life in prison. Um, yeah, what what's it like making an album in prison? Can you walk me through that process and what you had to go through? Oh, yeah, man. It's, um, you know, of course, it's definitely nothing like making music, you know, on the outside mm-hmm. of the studio because there's so many obstacles that lay in my way. You know, yeah. the, you know, the biggest obstacle initially is just, you know, for years, literally, is having access to any type of recording equipment. Right. As I mentioned, I've been locked up for 28 years, mm-hmm. so, you know, I haven't had access to a cassette tape recorder. Yeah. I haven't had access to a CD player. I haven't had yeah. access to MP3s. I haven't had access to the Internet. Right. And, you know, so, you know, things that, you know, many people might just take for granted in mm-hmm. the recording process, I just ain't had that, absolute, you know, that access at all. Yeah. So it wasn't really until 2016 that, okay. you know, I had access to even to use a telephone. You know, I, I could only yeah. make one phone call a year. Right. Admit it. Oh, man. You know, all the way till 2016. Yeah. So it was with the you know, um, access to the phone that, you know, I was able to first start recording. And then that just opened up boundaries and, you know, um, uh, 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 you know, new uh, obstacles within itself. Mm-hmm. Because with that, it becomes, you know, how do I sync my vocals to a beat? Yeah. You know, so, you know, because I can't hear the, the tracks right. on my side of the, you know, it's not like I got no, um, you know, beats or equipment mm-hmm. that I'm listening to over here that I'm recording. So it's just been a process, but, you know, through the help of my team, you know, shout out to the Aline team, you know, um, we've been able to become innovative and, you know, we kind of done perfected the process. Now I think that what we've done, you know, in the recording process is that it yeah. has, you know, been perfected to a degree unlike anybody in the past that has ever tried to record over the phone. Oh, the quality okay. is so crisp and precise. Right. Yeah, I noticed that when when I was listening to a few of your tracks, I was very surprised how how well it sounded, how how well it came across. Yeah, man. Uh, like I said, shout out to my um, producer Nick Neutrons. Yeah. He, you know, he's poured a lot of time and energy, man, and just working on and perfecting that sound to you know get it as clear and crisp as we can. Because I've heard a lot of you know, I'm not gonna say a lot, but I've heard mm-hmm. other renderings right. of artists who recorded from prison over right. the phone and. A lot of the vocals, it's hard to understand what they're saying, you know, yeah, yeah. Kind of chopped up and muffled, but Nick's done a good job, man, of just, you know, um, mixing and, and producing that sound and getting the best sound that we can get. Yeah, that's amazing that y'all were able to do all of that while you're still in prison. 
Um, so you're saying that you, when you're spitting the the lyrics, uh, you don't have no beat to go off of or nothing. No. Oh wow. Initially, I didn't. Oh okay, okay. Like I said, it's my man Nick Neutrons. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, a little bit of his um, genius as well as some yeah. creativity on my behalf. We were able to innovate, man, and um, use the technology of Zoom to actually, okay. you know what I'm saying, get this thing popping. So now I can hear the beat on my end. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, and, you know, I can spit, and he can record my vocals separate from the track. So mm -hmm. we done turned the phone into a virtual studio. <laughs> so y'all are working off of Zoom, too? Absolutely. Okay, That's cool. That's a major asset for us. Yeah, I didn't realize y'all had access to that. Well, I mean, he has access to oh, it okay. out there in the world, you know. Yeah. He's a producer out there, so he, you know, he can access Zoom okay. through the phone, and I call him, and ah. you know, that's how we, yeah, that's how we collaborate. Yeah, I see how that works now. Okay. So, um, what? Sorry, what were you gonna say? No, I was giving some, giving you some secret inside info. You oh, know what I'm saying? yeah, the, for real. The, uh, you know, the Colonel's secret ingredients. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's game for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people can be taking notes. Um, so what made you decide to go with the name of your album, Mercy on My Soul? Well, yeah, so, you know, like I mentioned, I'm on death row, mm -hmm. and, um, I was sentenced to death in 1997. Right. And the last words that the judge spoke after sentencing me to death was, may God have mercy on your soul. Wow. So, you know, the fact that I'm still alive, you know, yeah. one, 24 years later, it's a mercy. You know, the fact that I have an opportunity to make this music and to do what I'm doing and, right. and still just be breathing and, and, you know, continuing to grow. It's that all of those things are mercies, as well as what I want to do with my music and the type of impact that I want to have on the world and, you know, the cause that I'm trying to push forward. It's all intended to be mercy. So, you know, mm -hmm. it all spawned forth from that, you know, may God have mercy on your soul. And, you know, I'm bringing it full circle with this album. Facts. Yeah, that is truly an inspirational story, and I can only imagine... You have 60 seconds remaining. Word. Yeah, I can only imagine that uh, when people hear your album, like, especially people in prison, when they hear your album from prison, hearing another prisoner spit while, while you're still in prison, I can, I can only just imagine what type of inspiration that's going to bring to people and what's going to come, come out of that. For sure. Um, you need me to hit you back? Yeah, 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 that'll work. Okay, let me let me hit you back now then. I appreciate you. All right, so what has the reception been like for your music? Uh, first of all, like, have you heard what people have been saying about your music outside of prison? Yeah, you know, um, like I say, I keep in touch with my team every right. week. And last check I had, um, they, was told, they told me that it was like 650-plus views on YouTube for okay. the video. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's definitely motivating. And, you know, there's been comments people have left amazing and, you know, proud and so forth. And, um, you know, it's definitely inspirational. It's all been positive thus far, you know. So, you know, it's been received well. And, you know, definitely on the inside, I, I also got, you know, a close, um, you know, group of friends that you right. know, also support me, man. And, you know, um, so the love has just been, you know, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That's so cool. Yeah, I was really curious how how people were reacting to uh, to your rapping and what you've been doing inside the prison. What do they think about that? Yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, that's one of the obstacles is that, you know, of course, in here, we don't really get to hear music. Like I yeah. said, you know, if it isn't on underground radio, 
mm-hmm. you know, to get a um, record played on, you know, a commercial radio station. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, conquering Mount Everest or something, you yeah. know. But, you know, if we can, you know, to get it played on, you know, college radio, I mean, yo, that'd be phenomenal. Facts, facts. Yeah, we're definitely going to run that. Um, So you linked with Mark Katz, uh, Michael Betts. Mark Katz from UNC, Michael Betts from yeah. Duke, which led you yeah. to meeting your producer, uh, Nick Neutrons. Can you just tell me a little bit about that story and how that all came to be? Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, so I met Michael Betts back in 2016 okay. through a um, program I was involved with called Hidden Voices. And um, through Hidden Voices, you know, we collaborated and, you know, um, you know, put together a lot of projects. We ended up ultimately doing a couple of plays that we composed really? and a few other prisoners here on the road. Okay. And um, as a result of that, we had a, a exhibit also that traveled throughout the country, an art exhibit called Serving Life. And we did, um, yeah. you know, monologues that we recorded over the phone. Wow. And through that um, juncture, that um, uh, event, is that I met Michael Betts. And, yeah. you know, he and I ended up becoming friends, and he started recording for me and posting my raps on SoundCloud okay. back in 2018. And so, you know, I, I, I posted a acapella rap, man, called Round My Way okay. back in 2018. It was just acapella. I ain't have no beats, yeah. you know. And it was That's just, tough. you know, shouting out all the hoods that, you know, from from mm-hmm. my city in Raleigh. Hell yeah. And he posted it and I got like a hundred likes, you know, in like a week. Yeah. It just blew my mind because, you know, I've been locked up for all this time. Ain't nobody been hearing me rap. So a hundred right. views, a hundred, you know, likes was kinda like the biggest cipher I ever been. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we kept on recording and posting something about every two weeks and after about a year, I was still running into this wall where everybody was feeling the acapellas, but, you know, people were saying, yo, mm. man, you really need some beats. Mm. And I just didn't know how to get over that hurdle of right. how can I get my lyrics over beat. So I saw an article in the News and Observer, the local paper here in Raleigh, and it featured Mark Katz, who was a oh. you know, professor at UNC. Yeah. He held the beat lab, and he was teaching producers so he had a team of producers that were teaching kids how to make beats in the beat lab. So I said, man, I'm going to try to write this guy, and maybe he can help me, you know, with you know, connecting with some type of producer that can help me in syncing my vocals with beats as well as helping to, you know, improve the quality of yeah. the sound. And that's what I did. I wrote a man that, you know, hemmed to the law. He wrote me back, and, okay. you know, we started a friendship, and he introduced me to Nick Neutron's who he knew prior to that because he founded uh, a program called Next Level. He introduced me to Nick Neutrons, and, man, me and Nick just became a, you know, a power duo, man, and it's hip-hop, and it's been on and popping ever since. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that is so dope. Um, what were yeah. you talking about with uh, before, right when you met Michael Betts, what were you doing with, with the other inmates? Okay, I was in this program called Hidden Voices. Yeah. Hidden Voices is founded by Lyndon Harris, um, you know, on the outside. And, um, okay. you know, it's a, um, it's a, it's a, a organization that, you know, gives voice to people who are marginalized. Yeah. So, you know, people incarcerated or, you know, um, for other marginalized groups. Mm-hmm. And so while, by working with Lyndon Harris is that she was able to come into prisons as a, a volunteer. And we formed a group of about six um, prisoners here on death row. Yeah. And we started writing every week, and we ended up writing a play. Okay. We wrote a play called Serving Life, and then the play was adapted to the big stage 
and it was called Count, and it was performed at um at UNC Chapel Hill back wow. in 2017, and um you know it's got a lot of you know a lot of acclaim, but it was from that platform that I ended up meeting Michael mm-hmm. Betts, as I mentioned, you know. Yeah, that that sounds like an amazing program. I had no idea that anything like that existed. Um, how did the the play go? Did you get to hear about that? Yeah, I mean, I got photos. Um, they had professional actors that you know I that performed count at um like I said at UNC, and you know I've seen photos of it. I couldn't see the actual yeah. play of course because I'm here, but I I performed um serving life in prison. Um, the six of us, we um we did it for the staff as well as the oh wow here. yeah yeah man you know probably like fifty to seventy five you know people in attendance. Yeah. And, you I'm know, sure that was um, good entertainment too. It was it was amazing. I mean, I never acted before. Put on the play, right, and right. You know, it was about an hour long. We had to memorize all the lines and everything. Oh so, man, you know, it, was a, it was an amazing <laughs> experience. But you know, you know, everybody loved it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. So uh, you've been working with Revolution Entertainment, is that right? Yeah, New Revolution Entertainment. New Revolution. And how's that been going? What's that like? What's that relationship look like? Yeah, man. So, uh, Wordsmith, who's the CEO, the mm. label chief of um, New Revolution, you know, he's also an artist himself. So, right. you know, being that, you know, he has that background in music and can really relate to the artist, you know, he definitely is giving me the creative control to, you know, release the music as I want to release it and to kind of, yeah. you know, guide the process in the way that I want this project to, you know, look and sound. So that's been, you know, major. And plus, he gave me a uh, opportunity to, um, you know, reach a bigger platform, mm-hmm. you know, with the backing of his label and Universal Music, uh, you know, also, you know what I'm saying, his distribution. So, you know, oh, that's okay. giving me more access to, you know, um, a bigger audience. Yeah. Listeners. So, yeah, that's been amazing, man. And, you know, me and him, we, we don't become cool. So, yeah, that's my man, Wordsmith. Shout out to Wordsmith. Yeah, yeah. How did you come to, to link up with him? Yeah, it was crazy, man. It's like, <laughs> yo... You know, just like a, a web, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, Tessie, you know what I'm saying, who mm-hmm. um, is a co-author of the book that I, her and I wrote called Crimson Letters. Oh. Is, um, yeah, we, we, we was doing some book events, you know, um, and we did a podcast with a guy and okay. um, named Dr. Parker. And from the podcast, is, you know, he just found out that I rapped and, you know, wanted yeah. to hear some of my music and heard some of my music, and he liked it and told his brother about it. And his yeah. brother is Wordsmith, who's <laughs> the owner of New Revolution Entertainment. And he yeah. reached out to me and wanted to give me a, a record deal. So it's amazing. That's crazy, man. I'm starting yeah. to realize how busy you've been in prison. Just project oh, yeah, after no project, from the book to the play, the podcast, now this album. That's amazing, bro. Yeah, man, it's been a lot of work, man. I, you know, I definitely ain't been twiddling my thumbs staring at the wall, you know? Facts, yeah. So um, I want to talk about, before you were locked up, uh, what was your relationship with music before you went to prison? Yeah, so I started rapping, man, in 86. I wrote my first rhyme in 86. So yeah. I was 13 at the time, and, you know, that's been one consistent in my life on both sides of the wall. Okay. It's my love for hip-hop, you know? Is that you know I I was introduced to hip the hip hop man when I was probably about ten mm. you know I used to love break dancing yeah and yeah. um you 
know, so I started as a breaker, and then I wanted to be a DJ because DJs was the one who got all the top billing back then. You ah, know yeah. So hip hop was about the DJ initially, you know. Right. So I wanted to be a DJ, but you know, I was, you know, I stayed in the projects, and we didn't have really a lot of money, so I couldn't mm-hmm. afford no equipment. Right. So, you know, I I never really had no DJing equipment. I never had turntables or a mixer. But rapping was something that you know all I had to do was you know rhyme mm-hmm. and needed a pencil and a piece of paper to, right. to write them. <laughs> so it was cheap, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. You know, when I when I tried my hand out at it, as I could do it, and you know I fell in love with the crowd's reaction. You know, mm. when I got them head nods or them holes or you okay. know what I'm saying? That's what they used to say in response back in the day in the cipher. They say ho oh, ho, oh, oh, you know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know. That when you got them accolades, man, that was just like, you know, that was the greatest tro- trophy right there. That was the Grammy, right. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. What year was that? So, yeah, like I said, I started rapping in 86. And, okay. And, you know, it, it's moving forward. You know, I got my first rap battle in, like, 88. Wow. I did my own stage performance for the first time in front of um, Prince Marky D from the Fat Boys okay. in 1991. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um... You know, when I got bagged, I got locked up in 93, you know, okay. so I've been in the joint ever since. But like I said, that's one thing I've consistently been doing mm-hmm. is writing rhymes, you know, yeah, and yeah. rapping. Uh, where were you performing? You said, where was I performing? Yeah. I performed at this club called Bentley's. They had a rap contest. Okay. And, um, it was a club in Raleigh um, okay. on Gresham Lake Road back in 91. Wow. It was called Bentley's. And, um... So yo, I arrived. I heard about the um, the contest, and first place was uh, um, a record deal with Prince Marky D. So I pulled up. I was like, "Yo, y'all having a rap a rap contest? I'm getting in." <laughs> yeah. But when I got there, man, I had done missed the deadline. You know what oh, I'm saying? Oh yeah. So I couldn't actually be in the contest. But the DJ there, he showed me some love and said, "Yo, if you want to get on the stage and rap, I'll let you rap, but you can't <laughs> be in the contest." Okay. So I got on the stage, man, killed it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, yo, after I killed it, you know what I'm saying, Prince Marky D even got on the microphone, shouted me out, said, "Yo, I want to give a shout out to my man Rome." You know what I'm saying? That's so what's up. That was like that was the main. That was I won right there. You know? Yeah. What I'm For real. Me out, you know? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I was just trying to imagine what the scene was back then. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, crazy. What, what kind of music did you listen to before you got locked up? Yo, I'm a hip hop head yeah. through, man. Yeah, who you, you know listen to? So, yo, you know, I grew up, you know, like I said, Fat Boys from the Grip. Mm-hmm. It was LL. LL was like my first major, you know, um, rap, you know, icon. Word. Then from LL, it was KRS One. Then it was, you know, um, you know, BDP, and you know, then eventually I got that West Coast vibe in me. So I was uh, NWA and Ice yeah. Cube. You know, yeah. saying so hard that it make no sense. <laughs> and I was heavily influenced on Snoop Dogg, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then I came back east a bit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I rocked with, you know, Biggie and Nas and, yeah. you know, Jay-Z, you know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah. You know, those was, those was like my early influences. You know, prior to coming to prison, though, like I say, mm-hmm. it, was, it was primarily LL, KRS-One, okay. and um, Ice Cube, you know? Okay, nice. And uh, who who have you been listening to lately? Who's caught your ear? Well, I mean, you know, like I say, my, my access to hip-hop mm-hmm. is, like, you know, really limited. Right. 
you know, there's some artists out there that I kind of like more stylistically, mm-hmm. other, you know, as opposed to content-wise, you Facts. know. I guess I like J. Cole, you know what I'm saying, because yeah. I like some of the stuff he's saying, but I don't get to hear Cole like I want to, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the only stuff they playing on the radio is like The Baby or Lil Baby or, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, Rowdy Rich and, you know, mm-hmm. Young Thug and, and kids like that. Yeah. And I mean... I like the swag mm-hmm, that they saying, mm-hmm. the way that they saying it, they style, they flow, but you know, you know, I mean, I, I do. love the I, metaphor, do. I know exactly you what know you what mean. Saying? But you know, I'm, I'm a content driven, mm-hmm. you know, MC. I like to talk about something with substance where the yeah. bar that comes before with it after the bar that you just said connects, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, has a has a connection throughout the entire song, you mm-hmm. know, and not just a bunch of sixteen bars that yo is just saying me 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 that that money money money. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I I know exactly so, what you're saying. It seems like yeah. a lot of music nowadays. It kind of just seems like a little scatterbrain. Like one bar is about one thing, you and have one bar is about another thing. Remaining. Yeah, you want to give me a call back real quick? Yeah, 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 no doubt. We're good to go. Um, so we were talking about who you listen to. Oh yeah, so. How would you say uh, music has evolved since you've been locked up? I guess we could, did kind of touch on it a little bit, but, yeah, how would you put it? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's one of the things that I love about hip-hop, mm-hmm. you know, is, and especially from an MC perspective. Now, the music, you know, as far as the production itself, is that definitely, you know, has, you know, to me that's always been, you know, the, the mainstay, the, the, the background, the, you know, yeah. the, 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 the cornerstone of hip-hop, you know, is that, Hip hop always was about taking songs that was already in existence and you know mm-hmm. just recreating them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, kind of making a collage. So you know when it began, it was just basically using two turntables to just extend the break, you right, know, of, right. of a sing- of, of a single song. But you know it evolved from that to you know um, using samples. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, but now, you know, it's a, a lot of stuff is original. It's, you know, computer created it and, and you know, et cetera. So that's the evolution, but it's the use of technology, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, that, you know, has always been, you know, the hip-hop has always been innovative. It's using technology mm-hmm. to, you know, create new styles. As far as the, the lyrical expression, is that's like the same way. It's been so innovative. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, you listen to, you know, um, uh, 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 Sugar Hill Gang, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, literally like listening to the cavemen a rap, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. <laughs> it was so, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was so, you know, like, you know, um, fundamental, uh, rudimentary, you know what I'm right. saying? You know, throw your hands in the air, wave them like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, OG. Yeah, it was kind of like cat in the hat rap, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It won't no complexity to it, you know, it's like, yo, cat rhymes with hat. And that's as simple yeah. as you can. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Show, you know, through the evolution, you had, like I say, you go to Rakim, you know, well, well, Rakim is actually like a huge evolutionary leap, you know what I'm saying? But you go to um, LL. LL changed the game from what Run DMC was doing mm-hmm. or what Treach 3 was doing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you go to, you know, uh, Rakim, and, yo, he went, like, hit the fast-forward button like a couple of leap, uh, light years ahead, you know what I'm saying? And then you got Rakim, I mean, uh, Nas, you got Jay-Z, you got Biggie, that whole era. And then you got kids, like I say, from the from the South and from the West Coast, mm-hmm. come with different sounds. And now, like I say, you listen to somebody like Young Thug. Mm-hmm. Well, yo, I don't even know what this kid be saying half the time. <laughs> it's sound ill, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like, yo, you know, I never imagined hip-hop, you know, evolving in the ways that it's evolved. But, yeah, you facts. Know, it's dope. 
Yeah, that's so cool. Um. Oh, um. So back to your album. Uh, what can listeners expect to hear from it? So, yo, my album, Mercy on My Soul. I kind of looked at it as like, you know, it's a um, it's a it's a four part story or three part story. Okay. So the first four songs on the album, you know, are dealing more kind of like with politics. You know. Yeah, they, yeah. They, you know, in the context of you know, what's happened in 2020, you know, mm-hmm. with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor mm-hmm. and the protests and COVID, okay. you know what I'm saying, as well as, you know, things that, you know, have happened internationally, yeah. you know what I'm saying, and historically, you know what I'm saying, you know, on a political level. That's you know? dope. And there's also kind of like some, um, I got a song called Land of the Prophets, which is, you know, spelled P-R-O-F-I-T-S, but I... I mentioned the names of the prophets in the Bible, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, got the names of them and some mentioned, you know, metaphorically yeah. some of their situations, but, you know, talking about money and how we have kind of like in our society made money God, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and that we bow, that, 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 that we don't bow down to the pursuit of and the love of money and, yeah. and riches. So, you know, that's a, you know, that's the kind of like the political creative, you know, um, introspective, you know, um, aspect on the first part of the album. The second part of the album, as I segue into more of a just focusing on prison and mm-hmm. the death penalty, mm-hmm. death row, you know what I'm saying? I want the listener yeah. to know what that world is like, what that reality is like. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something, this is the elephant in the room for me, you know? Yeah. Is that what distinguishes me from any other MC is that I'm locked up and I'm on death row. Yeah. Ain't nobody else in the history of the world ever made no music for no. death row. So I got to address that. I want you to know what it's really like to be in this situation and, you know, how I feel and, you know, perhaps how other people that are in this situation, you know, feel as well, how I cope with it and the effect that it's had on my soul as well as my my mind as well as my music. So that's a portion of the next album. And the last portion of the album is kind of like, you know, a more of a, 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 a... uh, elevated, you know, uh, uplifting mood, you know yeah, what I'm saying, yeah. of, yo, how I'm able to, you know, not only um, endure this, but, you know, to still continue to progress and grow and not be defeated by it, you know, and mm-hmm. the aspirations that I have, and, you know, like I got a song called Unbreakable, which speaks about that, you know what I'm saying, okay. I got a song called The Good Stuff, you know what I'm saying, which, you know, is a reminder to the listener about the little things in life that we sometimes take for granted mm-hmm. that you don't really appreciate until you don't have them no more, you know? And that's the good stuff. That's the real, it's the important stuff in life. And then a song, of course, about, you know, the relationship with my mother and yeah. about love, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, I feel like that the, the range on the album is, is so broad, man, and, you know, I feel like it's content that, you know, may be enjoyable to the listener. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, your album, I, I can't wait for it to come out. It sounds like it takes you on a journey, like it's an intellectual. It sounds very intellectual, and you hit a lot of different topics that a lot of people are talking about. It's on a lot of people's minds, and then I think people really need to know and be exposed to the life, what life is like on death row. So, yeah, I really can't wait for that to come out. Sure. Um, yeah, do you want to talk a, bit, a little bit about... Um, what prison's been like for you and what that journey has been? Oh, man, yo, it's, you know, like I said, I've been in prison longer than I've been on the streets, you know? Yeah. I got locked up when I was 19. I've yeah. been locked up for over 28 years, almost 29 years now. So, you know, I mean, 
there's a song I got that's not on the album, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's a song I got called All I Know Is Prison, All yeah. I Know Is Pain. And it's like almost definitive of, you know, like my life. It's like I can't even really speak about my life really anymore outside of the context of prison because it's all I know, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just keeping it 100, man, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's kind of like for me um, in this in the space of like the mental space and like the, the spiritual and emotional space of like how I imagine, you know, people that were enslaved felt, you know, there's no disconnect. Yeah. They couldn't imagine their life outside of the context of slavery, you know? Thanks. And, you know, I mean, I imagine that, you know, some people that might've been, you know, captured and had, you know, an early life before slavery, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like so, so much a part of the distant past that, yo, Everything about my life, man, is intertwined with prison. You know what yeah. I'm saying? On so many levels that, you know, I can't even make that disconnect no more. Yeah, facts. Yeah, it's, that's the whole, the whole part of institutional, institutionalization is that is your life. That institution is Absolutely. your life. What, what have the conditions been like? Have you been in uh, North Carolina Central Prison the whole time? No, not the whole time, but for definitely a huge portion of it. Um, so, yo, I done, man, I done been through the whole range of yeah. incarceration. Anything you can think of, been there, done that. I done 10 years in solitary confinement. Okay. I done seven and a half years of it straight. I did another two years on a shorter bid on solitary. Okay. You know, um, you know, I've been on death row. I've been in regular population. Yeah. You know, every, everything you can talk about is, you know, that's just been a part of my life experience. And so what are the what are the conditions been at at the place you're at now? Well, I mean, on death row, you know what I'm saying, it's death row. You know, I can't mm-hmm. never, um, like, minimize the, the, the reality of that. Mm-hmm. The reality of that is that, you know, people that on death row send us to die, so we're yeah. waiting to be executed. So that right there is always, like, the guillotine that's above the head, you yeah. know, and it could drop at any time. You know, thankfully, there hasn't been any execution since 2006. Okay. But since I've been here, is that they have had 35 executions between 1998 and 2006. Wow. And I was present, you know, while that was happening. Yeah. So I know the, the stress and, the you know, yeah. the emotional environment that's created, you know what I'm saying, and how it feels, you know, when executions are being, you know, held and, you know, your next-door neighbor, you know, is being led to the death chamber mm-hmm. and will never return. You know what I'm saying? So that's a real environment. You know, like Thanks. I say, fortunately... For the last, you know, um, 15 years, there hasn't been an execution. So yeah. there's some relief in that, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that's good. But, yeah, but, you know, it's still that that is the reality. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody here is, you know, facing. Okay. Um, what What's the community like in there? Yo, the community is like the community, man, believe yeah. it or not. You know, because people been here so long. Most people been here over two decades. Okay. So we all know each other and we live around each other. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, you know, almost a, fam- a familial type of environment. Yeah. You know, you know, I know everybody hears personalities, likes and dislikes, knowing if they're in a bad mood and to give them space or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, you know, if you're kicking and, you know, talk about family or real stuff, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, you know, we, in, in many ways, we we that support system for one another. That's dope. Yeah, that's that's really important. No matter where you're at, the, the people you're with really make or break your situation. For sure. Is there anyone else uh, in prison that's been making music that you know of, at least that you're around? Like, is have you inspired anyone? Do y'all ever have any sessions or anything like that? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a couple of guys in here that, you know, they rap and, and, and you know, and write, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But as far as, you know, having the resources that mm-hmm. you know, I've been blessed to have, yeah. this is a this is an anomaly, man. This ain't something that's at everybody's, you know, um, disposal, you know what yeah, I'm yeah. saying? A, a rare opportunity and a blessing that I'm grateful for. Mind for you, real. as I said, I've been in prison for a long time. I would have done this 20 years ago if I had the ability, mm-hmm. you know, but not only, you know, for um, coming into you know, the blessings that I've been able to come into. But like I said, is having the resources at my disposal. I mean, if it wasn't for my team, like I mentioned, Michael Betts, Mark Katz, Nick Neutrons, I wouldn't have the ability to do this, you know, regardless of my talent level or regardless of, you know, anything. If Mm -hmm. I didn't have that team, and, and, you know, you got to be mindful. There's a lot of people, most of the people in prison, and definitely many of the people on death row don't mm-hmm. have, you know, strong support systems on yeah. the outside. And the longer that people are in prison, the weaker those support systems become on the outside. So, you know, like I mentioned, yo, there's people in here that can rap and that, you know, are, are talented. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they might not, you know, be heard right now yeah. because they don't have the opportunities that I've been afforded. But it's my hope that in doing my music is that, yo, it'll open up opportunities for other people as well. And the people might realize, yo, man, if Rome Malone can do this, yo, it must be somebody else up exactly. in there that can do it too. It might be doper than him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's one of the goals. How's uh how's COVID been like since since it started? How's how's that affected the prison that you're at? Well, COVID sucks. Let me go ahead on the staff yeah. that out of the case. Yeah. Bro, <laughs> no you doubt. Know, Fortunately, we haven't had any losses of life you know, here on the road yeah. as a result of COVID. Um, mainly, you know what I'm saying, um, you know, I, I've been vaccinated myself. Okay. And, you know, most of the people here have been vaccinated. Okay, that's good but, to hear. you know, at this point here, you know, we all have COVID fatigue. Yeah. Because now we just at that point where, you know, we just suffering from the restrictions because of COVID. Because visitation privileges have okay. been suspended for over a year and a half. So we ain't been wow. able to see our family and loved yeah. ones like we would like to. You know what I'm saying? That's like the greater hardship. We ain't been able to have our religious services. Oh, we ain't been okay. able to have programs from outsiders and volunteers that come into the prison. Mm. Um, you know, meals that may have come from religious services, things like that. Those yeah. have been like restrictions that, you know, we've been continuing to be up under as a consequence of COVID. Yeah, I don't think people will realize how important that is to y'all. Even all those programs that come in. Yeah. Now they're just... They're all, they've been gone for over a year now. Yep. Dang. Yep. And no word on when they're coming back or when that when those restrictions are going to lift? We have 60 seconds remaining. Nah, man, I don't got no clue, you know? Yeah. We be asking, but it's like the people we asking, yeah. they, man, they don't know. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Live on death row, buried in concrete and mortar, with 3,000 U.S. souls awaiting slaughter. I am reporting straight to the trenches, separated by the angel of death by their engines, with every life engines on poverty, gender, and race. In the day of the attorney defending your case, I stay alert, keep your head low. In the shadow of the valley, I'm live on death row. We have breaking news. 
such a positive attitude being locked up for so long what was that journey like and how did you reach that self-discovery oh man it's all about the grace of the law man i'm yeah. a muslim and, oh you know, okay i i accepted islam found islam man in like 2003 you know truly in my heart you know yeah and um you know i've been practicing my faith you know for at least since 2010 you know difference between me believing and actually putting it into practice right so, so since 2010 you know, I've been, you know, I've been striving for the sake of the law and all of the things that, you know, have, you know, manifested has been a consequence of my faith and my actions. Okay. You know, um, the transformation, you know, not only mentally, but, you know, spiritually as well as, you know, in my deeds. So, you know, that's that's definitely, you know, where I put my faith at and right. you know, that's what's kept me up. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, Whip Man, in yeah. 2003, I was at a point where I literally, you know, I had been on lockup for seven and a half years. Yeah. I didn't see no light at the end of the tunnel for me. Everything was complete black. I was in the abyss. I didn't want to live no more. You okay. Know? So, you know, I've been to a deep, dark place. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it, you gotta, when, when you ask me that question of, you know, how am I able to maintain a positive attitude is that you gotta, know and understand is that I've definitely been in a place where there was no positive attitude. Yeah. The attitude was completely negative. Yeah. Everything was dark. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it was only, and it still is only by the grace of Allah that I've been able to come up from out of that dark place. And now, whereas all I saw was darkness, now I can't even see darkness no more. All I see is light. You know? Thanks. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, How did you find Islam? How did that come to you? Well, like, you know, um, like you mentioned about the album, being a journey, you know what I'm saying? Yo, it's my, my spiritual um, path has been a journey. Yeah. You know, uh, I came in the prison system. I didn't know nothing about Islam. I don't even think I ever heard the word before. Right. You know? And, um, you know, I came into prison, like I said, I was 19 when I got locked up. I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. you know, I was raised up here. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, and I was born in the 70s. So it ain't like, you know, the world's a lot different than yeah. the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s. On the Internet, you know, won't nobody teaching nothing about Islam in school. 9-11 had never happened. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not everybody know about Islam now because of 9-11. But prior to that, you know, now if you want from the Middle East or something, you probably never heard about Islam. Yeah, for real. So I, I was exposed to Islam in prison. And, you know, it was it was gradual. You know what I'm saying? It's that, you know, we had a, you know, it's a couple of offshoots that have, you know, sprung up in America and it's particularly amongst black people in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and the five percenters in the Nation of Islam, right. you know, black nationalist organizations. So those were my first introductions to the word Islam oh, and, you know, what right. the concept and practice about Islam mm-hmm. was. And then it was, you know, through those mediums that I got introduced to the Quran and started learning about Orthodox Islam, Prophet Muhammad, who lived in Mecca 1,400 years ago. Yeah. And from reading the Quran, that's what ended up, you know, having an impact on my heart and my soul and, you know, transforming me into the person that I am today. Okay. That's dope. Um, so did you say that you started uh, writing music again when, when you're in solitary confinement? Yeah, for sure. That's, that's where, where I started? Really, really started writing, yeah. Yeah, that's where I really started writing, you know what I'm saying? is that, you know, for the first time I started writing about stuff like, you know, race and politics, yeah. and writing about myself, my life and my feelings and my experiences, and, you know, examining them in a way that I had never examined or even talked about before, you know. And, you know, in doing so, it be kind of became like therapy for me, you know what I'm saying? I was able to speak about truths in my rhymes that I hadn't spoke to people about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could do it in a creative way. And then I learned not only could I express it, but that I could recite it and memorize it and say it over and over and over again. Right. And to those, you know what I'm saying, recitations became affirmations. Yeah, and declarations okay. And then motivations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah so that, that's about all the questions I got for you right now. Um, is there anything you want to tell the listeners? Anything they should know? Yeah, man, Um, you know, main major point that we discussed is the you know the purpose and the you know the reason why I've been doing this music mm-hmm. and you know it's mainly because you know um in 2019 um they had Dreamville Festival across the street yeah. right across the street from uh, Death Row you know what I'm saying yeah. literally across the street and I was sitting at the um and my man me and my man was looking out the window my man Stacy Sabor Tyler and he's innocent he on Death Row and he's innocent okay and um who's looking out the window, and I said, yo, man, it's crazy. I said, right across the street, they got 40,000 people, man, <laughs> at Dreamville. Yeah. And not now one of them even know that you across the street living a nightmare. Right. And, yo, when the irony of that just hit me, as I looked at them and I said, yo, I said, next time they have Dreamville, they're going to all be saying my name and your name from that stage. Hell yeah. I'm going to make sure they know who you are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, you know, and, and that became my, my motivation for wanting to do this music, not just for something vain, just to say I've made an album or I'm making music, yeah. prison or death row, but to try to generate some attention to people that ain't supposed to be here, you know, the people mm-hmm. that might not have no type of exceptional talent that can generate attention for themselves, right. you know, but who deserve the attention more than I deserve it, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's the purpose and the reason why I've been trying to do this music. I'm beating this drum and chanting as loud as I can to try to generate some attention for people that's innocent in particular 
my man Stacy Sabor Tyler on death row. So that's what I'm doing, man. That's that's my um, that's my mission. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be out there yelling y'all's names too next time they have it. That's what's up, man. Um, where can people find the album when it drops? Everywhere you can listen to music: Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Pandora, wherever the music is available. All right. Um, we're gonna also try to make it available. I was um, talking to my team, man, about trying to actually sell physical copies yeah. of the album. Um, CDs as well as vinyl to try to generate funds, man, for the sole purpose to get 100% of the funds to the um, the family members of the victims of my crimes. You know, okay. I'm not trying to, you know, earn or generate any type of income from this project, yeah. music, any of this. You know, so um, you know when the release date comes, I hope we'll have something that you know available for listeners to know how they can purchase the actual copies of the album if they may be interested in supporting that cause as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been a true pleasure having you on today. I really appreciate your story, and I really appreciate you sharing it and taking the time to, to talk to me and tell everyone about what you're going through. No doubt, man. I appreciate you taking the time listening to me, Will. Yeah, you already know, man. Um, all, all right. right. You take care.